Hi, I'm Erin, a strategic money mastery coach on a mission to create a wealthy woman movement because I believe that wealthy women will change the world. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to gain financial freedom. Over the last decade, I've learned how to capitalize on my time and streamline my business to work smarter, not harder. This podcast will include money-related mindset and management tips and practical business advice so you can do the same. I've brought multiple businesses to six and seven figures, co-developed a real estate empire with my sweet hubby, Brent, that has allowed us to pay off all debt, purchase our dream home, take vacations around the world, and spend more quality time together with our two daughters, Ava and Judy. I'm on a mission to help women entrepreneurs like you stop overworking so you can make more money without compromising or sacrificing the life of your dream. Abundance is yours for the taking. So grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's get into it. Hello, wealthy women. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have Amy Northard on the podcast today. Welcome, Amy. Thanks, Erin. Oh, this is so fun. Actually, I had a podcast like five years ago, and Amy was one of the guests, and her business has grown a ton. She's brilliant, and I am so excited for us to talk today about how to be your own CFO and be prepared for tax season. Uh, that's going to resonate with a lot of people. But before we jump into our conversation, will you share just a little bit about who you are, what you do in business, and who you are outside of business as well? Sure. Um, so we have kind of labeled our firm as the accountants for creatives. Um, I have kind of shifted my role from doing a lot of the client work to more of um, the content creation and sales side of things. Um, but my team handles bookkeeping, tax preparation, CFO services. So um, we love working with smaller creative businesses, essentially people always ask me like, what counts as a creative? And I'm like, well, if you identify as creative, you feel like you're creative in any way, we're happy to work with you. <laughs> I love that. Um, outside of work, uh, we moved to Brown County, Indiana about a year ago, and um, it was definitely a fixer-upper log cabin on a little lake, and that's kind of like taken over all of our free time. So when we're not hanging out with family and friends, we are doing little projects here and there around the house um, to fix it up. Do I get to play with design and that kind of thing, so it's been a lot of fun. It's fun. We're on video and I can see the background and I can see all of the wood and the cool vibe you have going on. It's <laughs> so fun. Um, amazing. Well, I am super excited for us to be able to jump into this conversation. And before we started, I know you and I were talking about kind of the overlap of our work and we both work with the same type of people, creatives who love bringing their ideas into the world and monetizing it, but also having sometimes this hate, love-hate relationship with numbers, with money, and you and I are both passionate about empowering creatives with their money, and I believe your expertise really comes in when we're thinking through taxes and how to be prepared for taxes and bookkeeping, which is a very small part of my money matrix system and something that you are much more of an expert on. And so I'm excited for us to dive in. 
So if you would tell us a little bit about, let's just dive into the topic of taxes. Uh, you know, I have an early memory of being in entrepreneurship and really having a massive mistake when it came to taxes. We did what we hoped to do, which is make more money. And we didn't project to have more money for taxes and we weren't paying quarterly at that point. So an $18,000 unexpected bill caused a lot of freaking stress. And I know that my audience and people listening, they are going to benefit so much from hearing from you and how they can be prepared for taxes. So share away with us, Amy. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest stressors is probably for those business owners who don't have anything in place on the bookkeeping side. You know, we, we meet with tons of people who... I ask them, my, one of my first questions when we're talking about potentially working together is like, what are you doing now for your bookkeeping? And I think a lot of them feel shame and they're like, don't shoot me, but I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of like, I just do it when I need to focus on it. And um, that's when we get it done. So um, making that a point to get done and caught up, whether it's you outsourcing it or you just blocking out some time to get it done is really important in not getting to like April time. And you have, you know, some people try to learn QuickBooks all on their own <laughs> at that point, and then they have to do a years of bookkeeping in there as well. So um, not doing that to yourself is a huge part in preparing for taxes. Um, on another side, like a lot of people collect physical receipts and they think that they need to have all of those to like turn in for tax time. And so what I typically tell people is get something like Dropbox on your phone, use it, like create a little folder for receipts on in your Dropbox account. And then you can scan or take pictures of your receipts and save them right there. And you don't need to have like folders for every account. You can just save them by the date and maybe like the company name on the receipt and move on. Um, do you, have you done anything like that before? I, yeah, I, I think that sometimes it's like old school, like, right. We keep the actual receipts mm -hmm. and a lot of, a lot of my stuff is done, uh, you know, electronically. So I just have a folder in my email that is mm -hmm. you know the year and the you know all my 2022 receipts go into that folder for me and then my bookkeeper can do all the fun stuff from there yeah thankfully there's not I mean at least I don't experience too much like paper receipt issues it is mostly emailed receipts and I do the same thing um, on the email end with a folder for that. So just having some kind of system so that if the very tiny small chance that the IRS or your state is like, hey, we want to see documentation for this category of expenses, you can pull up um, your bookkeeping, find which receipts match and go from there. So um, don't let like the threat or potential of this very small potential of an audit ever stress you out about taxes either. Um, you can also use that Dropbox app to scan in your tax documents as they come in. So it can be a ton of paper. A lot of places are switching to like online downloads of 1099s and W-2s and that sort of thing, but there's still a lot of paper 
involved with taxes. So the real stressor for that is if you misplace a document or maybe it was a former workplace, you had the W-2, you really don't want to reach out to them to get a copy of it. You know, just making sure you have a really good organizational process. Um, and for me, and what we use with our clients is Dropbox. So scan them. You don't need to keep physical copies of them after that once you know you have them. Um, saved in a safe place. The other thing I was going to mention, and it's not just like, I'm not trying to say reach out to me necessarily to hire me only, but just in general, like it'd be a good idea to think about hiring an accountant well before tax season. Most of the accounts that I know that are good fill up before the end of the year. And so once you hit January, you know, you're, it's going to be really tough. And especially if you're waiting until closer to like March, or, you know, if you dare to email an accountant in April, um, it's probably, you're probably going to get a response of like, if you really want to work with me, you'll have to extend your returns and we'll deal with it in the summer. So um, start talking with your friends. If you want to work with somebody local that you can go in and chat with them, just know that about yourself. Do you feel comfortable working virtually with somebody or do you really want to be able to sit down in a room with them, lay everything out and talk about um, your taxes with them? So um, yeah, that would be my final piece to help make tax season a little bit easier. Even if you're just like scheduling a call to get all your questions out. You know, that that may be all you need. And then you can, you know, if you have a really simple business and simple tax situation, you can use TurboTax or something like that to do it and save money. Yeah. Okay. So if we recap that, that is number one, create a consistent habit of doing bookkeeping. Or, you know, if you are at a level in your business where that's, you have a bookkeeper, uh, making sure that you are still involved and reviewing that on a consistent level. Um, which is so important. And then having a really good organized system for your receipts, electronic and physical, and then also all of the tax paperwork, making sure you've got a clear system for that. And then knowing who your money people are going to be and hiring them way before tax season. So if you have <laughs> a bookkeeper, an accountant, if you're doing it yourself, like know what you need and strategize for that well before it comes to April, which mm -hmm. is so important. Thank you. Those are so important for us to know. And let's dive into some bookkeeping stuff. So I know like my foundational work with the money matrix system starts with, you really need to have your P and L sheets. You need to have uh, like, you need to have allocated and categorized all of your expenses and your revenue and all that in order to then do the work beyond that, that we do. Um, and so I find that many people, even as they are advanced in business, get caught up and we have to take you know, give support in the bookkeeping, in the P&L sheets to even move past that. So talk to us about some common mistakes with bookkeeping and how people can set themselves up really, really well in order to be the CFO of their business and life. Um, so I would say one of the most common things that we see is not reconciling 
the accounts. So like, for example, if you're using something like QuickBooks and you're connecting your bank accounts, it's pulling all of those transactions in, you go give them a category, you add them and you feel like you're done because it's not showing anything else you need to do. It just, you feel like it's done. Um, and with the way that bookkeeping softwares can work, you can run into a mess. There can be duplicate transactions. You could run into a period where like your bank comes unlinked with QuickBooks. So some transactions don't come in and you just don't realize it. So going through what's called a reconciliation process for each account that you have linked every month is super important. And you're basically matching up what's on your bank statement with what's in the bookkeeping software to make sure that it matches to the penny. Um, and that's a huge way to find issues with the transactions themselves. Um, you can catch duplicates, delete them out, things like that during that process. Um, I would say the next thing that I see that's very common is, for example, if you're using something like PayPal, and maybe you're collecting payments from customers in there, but you also have like some software expenses recurring that also get paid through PayPal. The most common and like natural way to think about it is whatever gets deposited into my checking account, I'm going to mark as income from PayPal. That'll be my income category. And that's, you know, we'll move on. Um, the problem is there were fees that came out of that payment from your customers. You had that software expense. So really in reality, if you received a hundred dollar invoice payment, maybe you had $3 taken out for fees and $25 taken out for that software payment. PayPal will report a hundred dollars of income to the IRS on a 1099 in that situation. But you in your bookkeeping will report whatever that is, um, I am terrible with mental math actually. So <laughs> the net deposit into your checking account- I think it would be $72. 72, yes, it would. Um, it, you would report that on your PL and those don't line up. So then what you run into is a fun little letter from the IRS down the road saying you owe us all this tax because you underreported your income. And I don't say that to scare people, but I've seen it so often and you think you're doing the right thing, but you just didn't quite do the bookkeeping correctly. So um, what we do for our uh, bookkeeping clients is we treat things like PayPal, Stripe, Square, even like Etsy um, as their own bank account. And we're able to reconcile those each month to make sure that the balance that is showing in PayPal for the end of the month matches what shows up on your balance sheet. Um, so while the PL is super important in planning and forecasting, it's also a good idea to take a look at your balance sheet every once in a while because if PayPal starts to show like negative 7,000 or <laughs> something ridiculous on there, that's a huge red flag that something is not working right. Um, and you may need to call in the big guns of a bookkeeper to help straighten that out. Okay. You talked about something here. I want to just like pull out a little bit more and you know, this is why I'm having you on the show. Cause you're the expert. <laughs> like Brett and I just, uh, you know, with all the stuff that we do in real estate, we were like running our PL and our balance sheet like 
kind of not correctly and per you know and we have to do that per home per project and we have multiple different llc's it gets like oh my gosh <laughs> so can you help people understand the difference between a balance sheet and a PL sheet Mm-hmm. So a PL is exactly like what the name says, profit and loss. It's going to show the money coming into the business and then where it's all going out with the exception of owner's distributions or you putting money personally into the business. That stuff is not shown on the PL. The balance sheet is then where you're going to see like a snapshot in time. So PL covers a period of time. It could cover the month that you're looking at. It could cover a year. But the balance sheet's going to be a snapshot in time. So typically the last day of the month or last day of the year and what the balances are of your business accounts as of that day. And then it'll also track your owner's equity in the business. That is essentially every time the business makes a profit, it adds to your owner's equity. Every time you pay it out to yourself, it decreases it. Um, it's not going to affect your taxes in any way unless you take out more than your equity. So we won't get into that's that's when I can feel like all the eyes start like wandering and the brain starts to wander off when we talk about that kind of thing. Um, PL, I would say, is most important, but it's good to just like briefly take a look at the balance sheet to make sure it makes sense. Does my credit card have a negative $10,000 balance? If it does, that's weird because you can't have that kind of a balance on a credit card. So, you know, those types of things you need to think through when looking at that one. Amazing. Thank you for bringing clarity there. Anything mm-hmm. else that you would say is really helpful when you are working to manage your books? Um, so just a couple other like detail items would be um, not expensing income tax payment. So every time you make a quarterly tax payment or just your annual tax payment, um, if they are an income tax payment, you can't expense that through the business, which stinks because in most cases, the business was the one generating the bulk of that to you, but technically it will be considered a personal expense. If you do pay it through the business, it would be need, need to be marked as an owner draw or owner distribution. So it doesn't show up on that PL. Um, the other and one is would that, is that just to bring a little clarity there, is that yeah. uh different LLC versus S Corp? Good question. So an S corporation, you still can't expense the distributions to yourself, but you can expense your S corp payroll and the employer portion of your payroll taxes. So it's not all of the payroll taxes, but just the employer portion. And like, if you're using a payroll program like Gusto or the QuickBooks payroll, they, their payroll reports will show you, there will be a column that shows you employer payroll taxes and that's the part that can show up on your PL. So like really simply, you know, this we're pausing on this for a second. Uh-huh. <laughs> my, my passion is to make sure that women are paying themselves a consistent salary is what I call it. Now probably mm-hmm. in the accounting world it's owners draw, especially when you're an LLC. So Talk about like how do creatives make sure that they pay themselves consistent salary and what is the advantage of LLC versus S-Corps in this situation? 
Um, so on the topic of consistency, I think like doing a forecast like you work with your clients um, is super important because it late you can look at the year as a whole and plan for expenses. So if you know you're going to have a really busy season with high expenses, maybe you have a lot of team members, contractors you have to bring in for a certain period of time, you can plan that out because there's going to be months in all businesses. And I am very used to that myself with having a tax season. There's going to be months where you have maybe a $10,000 month, and then you might have a month where there's a loss. And if you just focus on the individual months themselves, in the month where you made 10,000, you may be like, yeah, let's book that trip to, you know, wherever. And then you use it all and you have nothing for those negative months and you may see the negative month and panic. We have negative months. It doesn't mean the business is doing bad in those months. It just means it's a higher expense month and we need to look at the year as a whole to kind of plan out those payments. And then when I do the projections and I haven't seen how you do it, I have, I have my PL. And then from that profit, I subtract out like what the business owner will pay for them pay to themselves. So you can plan that out and see how it affects the cash flow of the business. Yes. And that's a, a bunch of what we do in uh, the money matrix system is you, yeah, you cannot, especially for creatives, you know, like photographers, they have six months of the year where they make most of their revenue. Mm-hmm. And if you're not, if you're not understanding the full picture of your year and you can kind of get an idea if you're right at the beginning, you know, of diving into actually creating productions and looking at a year, your previous PL sheet will at least help you see trends. It will help mm-hmm. you see when you bring in the most and when you spend the most and things like that. But that will help you then say, okay, if my profit of my business is $60,000 or $50,000, I can safely pay myself, you know, four grand a month, $48,000, you know, and I can plan for that every month because I have, you know, whatever in the bank account that will then cash flow and then I get the large deposits and all that and it all shakes out and super passionate about people understanding that even if you have influxes of revenue and expenses, you can still pay yourself consistency consistently. And with an LLC, that would be shown as an owner's draw, correct? Yeah. So sole proprietors and LLCs, that would be shown as an owner's draw because those are essentially taxed the same way. Um, The LLC is basically just giving you legal protection to separate you from the business that kind of the next level up then is the S corp that you mentioned. So you can retain that LLC um, legal classification, but you're essentially sending a form to the IRS saying, I would like to be taxed as an S corporation. And when you do that, you're basically agreeing to pay yourself as the owner, a reasonable salary. And so in this sense, salary is something that runs through a payroll software. It takes taxes out. You get a W-2 at the end of the year, your, your payroll company, um, pays payroll taxes and files payroll forms for you. Um, 
So you can take out money that way. And in combination with that, you can take money out as a distribution as well. So you have two ways to do it. Um, that's one of the things that we work with our clients on is like, what's the good, what's a good mix? We have a tool that they can kind of go through a questionnaire. It um, assigns values to all of the different tasks that they're doing for their business to come up with a reasonable compensation amount that the IRS, like you would get a report at the end and that you could give that to the IRS if they were like, how did you come up with this number? You know, it's not something you can just say, I feel like I'll need $20,000 as salary and $30,000 as distributions. The IRS is going to be like, hold on, uh, you're working 50 hours a week in your business and you are the sole producer of income. How, how does this make sense? So we use a tool like that to help with the, the payroll and reasonable compensation side, but you also don't want that to eat up all of your profit as an S corp, because that's where you'll see um, the tax savings of an S corp. Um, so without going like too deep into that, cause like I could have a whole hour long conversation on the S corp stuff. Um, I will, I'll send you a link and that maybe you can share with everyone. Um, we have created like a little guide that dives deep into all the nuances of the S Corp. Um, and it has a little tool that will calculate tax savings um, because you wanna be at like a certain threshold of profit for that to make sense. Yes, so that's like, and, and the tax, and then there's a tax advantage because high level, you are able to then have your payroll, what you're going to be an expense in the business versus like in an LLC, it's, it's not categorized as an expense. So then your um, profit is higher. Is that kind of high level? How so really where the tax benefit comes from is actually you don't pay self-employment tax on the profit of an S corp. So even though you're able to expense your payroll, it's still going to get reported on your tax return as taxable income. Um, the nice thing about being able to run payroll as an S corp is you're getting the taxes withheld throughout the year on that portion. So really all you have to worry about in the quarterly tax world or income tax world is paying income tax on the remaining profit in the business. Whereas if you were an LLC, tax as a sole proprietor, you pay income tax and self-employment tax on all of your profit that you made. Yes. It, it eliminates some of that, uh, that you're getting taxed on. Yeah, exactly. Very simply, yep. <laughs> you know, way more about that <laughs> for sure. And, uh, I, I know that guide will be so important and helpful for people as they determine, you know, and I'm pretty sure you can only change to S Corp in January. Is that correct? Um, so there's actually some wiggle room. They give you officially in the instructions until like March 15th of the current year to make it retroactive in that year. But they also have some information in there about doing a late S Corp election. So it gives you more flexibility as long as you already have your LLC set up at the beginning of the year, you can essentially make it retroactive to the beginning at any point. Hey, that's super helpful to know. That's yeah. Awesome. Okay. 
I know I paused you as you were talking about <laughs> cool bookkeeping and issues to avoid. So keep going, but I'm glad we were able to talk a little bit about LLC versus S Corp. Yeah, I mean, I think we covered the main points that I wanted to cover there. The other thing I would just mention is I also, I mean, we talked about when it's time to outsource your taxes and that kind of thing. On the bookkeeping end, I do think it's important for business owners to be involved in their bookkeeping, at least for a little bit, and especially at the beginning. But also, if the, there are some things where I see business owners just can't physically make themselves do it. And it, it would be better as long as your profit can support it to go ahead and outsource that. If that's one of the things that you just, it overwhelms you to the point where you just will never do it. And you know that about yourself, it would be better to outsource it. Or we offer bookkeeping lessons. So doing something like that, where you can get one-on-one help to learn the exact process you need, rather than seeing like, hundreds of QuickBooks tutorials on YouTube and you're like, where do I even start? So, um, you know, there's options out there for the level of how involved you want to be with your bookkeeping. Um, I do think it's important to be involved a little bit at the beginning. And then if it's something you love and you love tracking that stuff and you understand how to do it, keep doing it for as long as your time can allow. But then at some point, it makes more sense to pay someone so you can work on higher value things in your business. Absolutely. And that's something I say, like you can totally outsource the book keeping component as long <laughs> as you're continuing to understand what your bookkeeper is doing and you are being still the CFO of your company, which means you're the only one that it can make decisions on, okay, what are my projections? How am I going to meet those projections? Mm. Understanding your cash flow, understanding when you think, you know, it's time to raise my owner payout or things like that so that I can decide that, hey, I'm going to start to bring more money into my personal life and all of that. So um I love that you are saying either figure out how to do it or outsource it, but it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, this is such a good conversation. Thank you so much, Amy, for digging into these gold nuggets for us. Is there anything that you want to make sure listeners um, sort of grasp or hear you say before we wrap up and go into our rapid fire questions? Yeah, I mean, I think just to finish up, I think the last thing that is really helpful is to think about quarterly taxes. Um, They are, you can think about them like deposits towards your year-end taxes. So you're not having to file anything. It's different than sales tax. Um, And if you plan to owe more than $1,000 on the federal end, for most states, that threshold goes down to about 500. If you plan to owe more than that, Um, you'll want to definitely make the quarterly payments so that you aren't hit with underpayment penalties and interest because no one wants to pay a single dollar more than they need to to the government for taxes and that kind of thing. So typically about 30% is a good rate to save of your profit. Um, Everyone has a little bit different process and percentage. Um, You can get with an accountant, your accountant, to get your exact percentage of what you should be setting aside. And it will vary depending on, you know, your tax bracket, your business structure, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Love that. That is so important. And something that I have my 
people do when they are working through the money matrix is they are able to estimate their tax payment every month mm-hmm. and remove that into a tax account so that then they can be already having not even just like, okay, now it's been three months, like every month you're saving based on the percentage that you've determined and the profitability of your company so that you should be pretty freaking accurate on what you've been saving for with taxes. And I love that that's something that you preach as well. Mm-hmm, for sure. So cool. Okay. Ready for these rapid fire questions, Amy? I am. All right. What is your earliest memory around money and how has that impacted you? Um, I think probably my earliest memory goes back to seeing my dad like clip coupons on Sundays when that big issue would come in on Sundays with all the coupons. And (laughs) I don't know, like subconsciously or consciously, I have like resisted food coupons. Like I'm all in on a good clothing or furniture sale if it's something that I really want, but it's just like very I never got into the coupon thing and my dad still does it to this day. Um, (laughs) Like he he would base his grocery list on like what is on sale um, with the specific coupons like attached to each one. And for me, it's like, I, I like that we have budgeted our money to a way that like, I don't have to think about the pricing on the groceries like that is was like one of the like fancy things like I'm an adult I can spend it how I want and I'm not gonna worry about like every single price of every single thing I buy at the grocery store so good yeah okay (laughs) I'm not tripping over dollars to save pennies here my time Mm -hmm. is I need to like I budgeted for it I don't have to save two dollars on pork chops right (laughs) Um, what's your, a money moment that you are most proud of? Um, I would say probably, um, and I forget how many years this was, maybe like six or seven, um, that the, my business had grown to a point where my husband could join me full time. So I had some contractors at that point working with me, but he was my first like full time. We have to support more than just me on this income. Um, And that was really cool to have him come in. You know, it wasn't stressful financially. He could, we could work together and it's been really fun. You retired your husband through your business. Yeah. He still works a lot, but he got to retire from the awful job. (laughs) He's retired from the being employed to now getting to be an entrepreneur. Exactly. <laughs> Still <working. Yes. laughs> um, what do you feel like was your hardest learning, your hardest moment around money? Um, I mean, I think probably my most eye-opening moment was back in, I think it was either college or late high school, but I didn't have like a huge balance in the bank account. I would always ignore it. I would like avoid it because it stressed me out of how close I would be getting. And then I got a letter in the mail and it was like, it was like around a hundred dollars of overdraft charges. And it was just like line, 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 line of all these overdraft charges because I had gone to like Taco Bell for lunch and I didn't realize. So then my $3 lunch ended up being $10. Um, you know, it was like that moment where I realized you, I can't run from this by not paying attention to it. I need to 
force myself <laughs> to look at this, even when it's uncomfortable. And that has kind of gone with me into working with my clients, working with our own financials. Like I have, you have to spend some time looking at this stuff and then it helps take away that anxiety around the money. So thank you for being an accountant willing to share that part <laughs> of your story. You know, I love it because it's like, we're real people. We have resistance around money. I might be a money coach and I still for sure have like moments where I'm just feeling really, you know, like frustrated with money or, you know, having money mindset issues. We're not like above the work that we do. And mm-hmm. I think that's so important to share. If I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? Oh, that's tough. Um, I have been dreaming recently about taking my family, most specifically like my parents to Hawaii on something where they wouldn't feel like they need to cook all their meals in their hotel room. Like we could go out for every meal, pay for first class tickets out there, you know, like something really splurgy like that. I've, it's been kind of like a goal of what we could get this business to, um, would be really fun thing to do. And then the rest of it, like we have been over the past few years considering like doing real estate investing. So I think that would be fun to like dip our toes in that area as well. Heck yeah. You know, I'm a fan of that, <laughs> <baby>. <laughs> all right. Last question. If you're being real bougie, what do you splurge on? Um, I think like this past year, since we've got back into travel, my bougie thing has been like hotels or Airbnbs. Um, just being like, since I have fallen in love with design as we've like been able to design our log cabin and redo the interiors here, staying in places that are super inspiring. It's just like, it gives me that feeling I just love it. So we've stayed at some really neat hotels and Airbnbs this past year. And it's something like if my husband asked me what I want for my birthday, yeah, I want to stay here for a couple of days. I don't need to stay there for a week, but just like a couple of days to soak in the design of it. And I have a wish list of tons of places I'd love to visit. Oh, that's so fun. Tell me one of the places on your wish list. Um, there is a place, I think it's in North Carolina called like the Highland resorts or something like that. Um, and they have like gorgeous wallpaper. They just like everything about it is so unique. It's not something you would maybe do in like a home that you're going to be in often, but it gives you that like, wow factor. Like every little corner of the rooms has a little like vignette or design piece to it. That's fun to look at. You know, as somebody who loves interior design and does it for a lot of homes, that speaks to me. I love (laughs) spaces. So Mm -hmm. I'm bougie with you right there. (laughs) Oh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show, for helping us be empowered with our taxes, with our bookkeeping, because that is something that wealthy women do and master and outsource if they feel that they can't master it. And so thank you so much, Amy, for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe so you can access all the latest episodes. And while you're at it, 
would you take a few minutes to leave a review? This will spread the word and spread the Wealthy Woman Movement. Are you inspired to take your money mindset management to the next level? Head to www.erinbridgman.com and join the waitlist for the Wealthy Woman Intensive. The doors to my coaching program only open a few times a year and spots are limited. So be sure to join the waitlist so you can be the first to hear when a new cohort begins. Cheers for now.